everyone, this is episode 724 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, June 12, 2020. I'm your host, Mark Kuznez, and today I'll be talking about Warborn, Beyond Blue, and Evans Remains. But before I get to what I've been playing, the PlayStation 5, the Future of Gaming event happened yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. And it was a little over an hour of many, many games and a reveal of what the console looks like. And it uh it looks like it looks like a thing. It is very overly designed. I'm not a fan of it, but I am also someone who thinks that the look of your consoles isn't all that important because unless most people keep them out in the open as I don't know, conversation pieces, it doesn't really matter because you're going to put it away somewhere that you don't really look at it all that much, especially as these consoles move to being, or, or people move to being more digital centric with their purchases and not constantly taking in discs uh, or putting discs in and taking them out and stuff like that, especially since they announced along with the look of the console that there is both a disc version and a digital only version, which looks a bit more symmetrical and nicer the discless one but yeah i don't really like the look of it but if you're like me you put your consoles down in an an entertainment center or something along those lines and then you never really think about it or look at it all that much my little thing under my gaming space i can't even see the consoles really that's in part because they're just all really dark black and if you don't see the the on light, like for the Xbox, they're just there in the darkness. But yeah, I'm not overly fond of the way they look, but who really cares in the long run? But then they showed a lot of games and a lot of exclusives, and I think unquestionably, unquestionably this event was way better than the Xbox third-party event in terms of production value and what they showed and how they put it all together, it was significantly better. The Xbox event looks like trash compared to this. And they also showed a lot of exclusives, but again, we're going to be getting that in July from Microsoft, so we'll have to see what was there. But they showed a lot of games, and some of the wording was a bit weird, and I understand them wanting to not put out what some of these games experiences actually are it was weird to start with grand theft auto 5 but they made uh or they mentioned that grand theft auto online will be free to play on playstation 5 and from now until the release you get a free million bucks in game uh i don't know if that's exclusive to playstation 4 grand theft auto online or just in general that people are going to be getting a free million bucks that wasn't really clear, but of course they're also bringing Grand Theft Auto 5 to the next-gen consoles, because why wouldn't they? Obviously they're doing that. It was a little weird, though, to start with that. And then they jumped into Spider-Man, Miles Morales, which everyone thought was Spider-Man 2. And I looked at it, and I'm like, this is probably like a Left Behind or Lost Legacy or something along those lines. And a standalone little... Or like First Light, something that is a bit shorter and more compact. And I didn't have a problem with that. So I originally talked about how 
Spider-Man Miles Morales was not a standalone expansion, but a remaster of the original game with some extra content. And then it was later re-clarified that it is, in fact, a standalone expansion that you don't need the base game to play. So I deleted all that and then recorded this little bit. So now returning to the regular show. All right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, th- I mean that that's a game that I'm sure a lot of people are excited about. I wasn't overly fond of the first game just because it was the best Spider-Man game probably, but also just another Spider-Man game. It didn't really do anything special and the story wasn't anything that grabbed me more so than other Spider-Man stories in the written form or the movie form. Spider-Man 2 is still vastly superior but then they also showed ratchet and clank rift apart which is 100 percent the game they showed that i'm most interested in i'm still all of this said what i'm about to say i'm still not getting a playstation 5 i have way more invested in the xbox ecosystem my the majority of my gaming collection is there so that'll be backward compatible forward compatible on the series x so it was already a foregone conclusion which one of these systems I would be getting near-ish launch. I'm growing more and more concerned about the pricing because the lack of both of them putting out the price concerns me. There was an interview, I think, recently where Spencer, Phil Spencer was alluding to the Series X being affordable, quote-unquote affordable, because of their all-access plan or whatever it is, where it's more like a contract to pay for two years of the Game Pass Ultimate or whatever, and the console, blah, 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 and it comes out to who knows how much, but, like, I don't like the idea of that. I don't like contracts and all that shit. And also, I'm curious how that works. Do you get a code for Game Pass Ultimate, or does it automatically just get tied to your account? Because what what does that do in situations like mine where I already have, not, I don't have three years anymore, but it's like, two years and nine months of Game Pass Ultimate. By the time, I'll still have over two years by the time the Series X comes out, but on Xbox at least, you can only have a max of three years in the bank. On PlayStation, I don't think there is a limit, but on Xbox, you can only have three years. So they can't automatically add it to my account. They wouldn't be able to do it with me. So... What happens in that case if it's not a code? So that is something I'm... I I just want the prices to come out here and for us to see what awfulness it may potentially be. Because I'm fully prepared to pay $500. More than that, I am not fond. If If it's more than $600 for these things, holy shit. Fuck, are you out of your minds? You you're, you're losing your goddamn minds. Anyway, they also showed Hitman 3, which I was very excited about because I'm just a fan of Hitman. And I'm hoping that, like with Hitman 2, we'll be able to carry over our, ex- not expansions, but our our missions from the previous games into Hitman 3 and just make it the definitive version of Hitman, the absolute definitive version, because I think they said that this is the end of this trilogy or whatever. There's also Horizon Forbidden West, which, fine. I enjoyed Horizon Zero Dawn, fine enough, but... There's, there's more Horizon. Who knows when any of these games are coming out except for 
Spider-Man Miles Morales, which should be there at launch, and then some of these other games, which are cross-gen. That was another weird thing in their wording that they said all of these games we're about to show you, they said something along these lines, that they're all powered by the power of PlayStation 5. They're powered by the power of PlayStation 5. And yet some of these are cross-gen. I mean, Grand Theft Auto 5, of course, is cross-gen, but stuff like NBA 2K21, it's obviously going to be on previous platforms. I believe the Oddworld game is coming out on previous platforms. Um, Resident Evil 8 will be coming out on this gen as well, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, they, they showed a lot of great looking games and games I'm excited about. A lot seem to be console timed exclusives, which I'm just annoyed by that in general. But when I look at all this, returning to the price, that is really what matters most. Exclusives are nice, but I was curious about it. Looking at Wikipedia, I'm sure these numbers are not accurate anymore. But it had the number one PS4 exclusive as Uncharted 4 with 16 million copies sold. And at this point, there are around 110 million PS4s sold. And if you take those two numbers, that means the attach rate for Uncharted 4, their most popular exclusive, is around 15%. And what that says is that exclusives are nice, but they aren't the system sellers. They're not really. And you might say that, oh, no, because there are whatever. Also, 16 million uh, copies of Spider-Man sold, and those are all sold to people who didn't buy Uncharted 4. So that's all these exclusives end up getting spread out amongst people, and I think that's a bit weird. Like, most people I know who own a PlayStation 4 and are really into, like, I mean, I know serious gamers, so they own all the exclusives. They just do. So there are a vast majority of people out there who just want a system to play your standard games like your Call of Duties or your Assassin's Creed or whatever. And, or, I mean, there are people who just want it for the sports games. And those people are just looking for the cheapest way to play the vast majority of games. Sure, they won't be able to play these exclusives, but whatever. And that just means that in the end, it all comes down to pricing, and I think that is where Microsoft still has a chance. I mean, ultimately, I don't really care who wins, and I, I can't see Microsoft doing anything in Japan. I think they're just fucked there unless they make some crazy acquisition, which is not going to happen. They're just they're dead there, and uh, in Europe, they could make more of an impact than they did this year. But, yeah, um, they've got a lot to show for themselves in their first party event next month. And I'm a little concerned about it because when they hinted at it in their May event for third parties, they didn't mention a lot of studios. They only mentioned the ones with properties we already know about, like Ninja Theory with Hellblade 2 and, I think... Obsidian with their grounded game and maybe Rare with that game that we've already seen a little of. And they didn't hint anything about the initiative. I think they also mentioned, oh yeah, of course Halo's going to be there. But they didn't tease Playground or Forza 8 or anything. And you could just be saying that they didn't say any of that stuff so that there'll be a surprise. But 
I don't think when it's, when you're talking about your first parties, you should be building up hype for this instead of making people think that not much is going to be there. I'm assuming more is going to be there because if it's just four or five studios, doesn't sound like that's going to be all that exciting of an event. But yeah, at this point, I feel like they need to show Fable. They need to show the new Fable and they need to show a bunch of other new IPs that or revitalized IPs. They need to do a lot to make people blow away. I, I don't know. It's just like, I mean, ultimately, I when I look at all this stuff, it, none of it matters to me, but I know that there are a lot of people out there who still care about the council wars and all that bullshit. But, uh, and, and you can't avoid it on the internet and, and seeing people talk about it. So, yeah, wasn't a fan of that. But anyway, let's just get to what I've been playing. I, I've been exhausted this week because I had a two-hour dentist appointment that was an absolute nightmare. They had to replace a crown after my gum receded a bit, and then it, it showed the tooth or whatever, and they had to like, oh, no, we got to like just clean this up a bit and give you a new crown, and that took two hours. There was also a very small filling, which didn't take much time at all, but that it's like a 25-minute walk one way to the dentist in the heat, and then walk back after getting all this shit done to my mouth. And then I was hungry afterward, but my mouth was still numb. So I still ate anyway. And I ended up biting my gum a little bit. But in, in order to bite more safely, when I realized that, no, I think I'm biting. Like One, I was biting and chewing very slowly. But then I would just grab my lower lip, because that was the, the problematic area. And then I would stretch it out. I would just pull it out, and then chew on the right side of my face. I look like a fucking idiot, 100%. If anyone was, like if my webcam was turned on or if, you know, someone was spying on me with it, they got a, a good picture of my dumb ass trying to eat some eggs. <laughs> it was a fucking joke. Anyway, so Warborn is a turn-based tactics game where you're in a bunch of mechs and you're fighting other mechs and... It's okay. It looks fine enough. I I only played a little bit of it, and it's very standard, typical tactics game where you have your units. You can bring in other units if you have points, these like special points, and you just have goals like oh, you can you can capture points, you can attack enemies. You can't. You, there's not a lot you can do in terms of actions, which kind of bothers me. You can't do the I forget what it's called in a lot of these games. Overlook, I think it's called, where if you're not going to attack, you can put your unit in a stance where they will attack an enemy once they come into sight. You can't do stuff like that. You can just do on your turn. You can move your unit. You can attack. You'll have. I think most units have two different types of attacks. And you can wait. And that's it. So there's not much to it. It's very simple. It's very easy. You know, I guess that's what it has going for it. If you want something that's a bit more easy to digest, you can check out Warborn. But, and I played all these games on Xbox One. But I wasn't really feeling what little of Warborn I played. 
there's a, the story didn't do anything for me either. Um, yeah. And I, I really like these types of games, but in terms of the actual tactical nature of it, the, the strategy involved, like I, it was, it was very, very basic and it didn't seem like there was all that much depth there. You have some units who can support other ones and increase the range. Like the like the sniper units, I think, can increase the range of other units one fold. But there, I mean, and they're also uh, hero units essentially that are a little bit more powerful and have more powerful attacks, which can do more damage. Like one has a a beam that can shoot through enemies and take out multiple enemies at a time, which is cool. And it does the, the standard thing when you attack an enemy, it zooms in and you get a side-by-side -side picture of both units, one attacking the other. There's no counterattack, didn't seem so, yeah. Just, it's very, very basic. And I'm not sure if it opens up at a point, but if it does, I wish it would let that be known earlier on. Because I played a handful of missions and, and I felt no desire to really play more of it but maybe i'll check it out more later then beyond blue is an underwater not you can explore but it is a bit you you do have at least a narrative that is pushing you to do certain things in these various dives and then you return to your little submarine whatever it is you talk to a few of your fellow colleagues and talk about your life and what's going on with the job and all that jazz. And then you go on to another dive in a different location. And it's it's not too bad. It's definitely educational driven, which is cool. They even say that Blue Planet 2 specifically was an inspiration for the game. And as you're scanning, so you're a, a diver who is going through the, the waters, scanning different creatures and finding various uh, plant life underwater and stuff like that. You're just basically going through the, the waters, looking at different creatures and plant life and scanning them, interacting with them to minor degrees. And that's pretty much it. So, so when you're in the dives, you find these little beacons or whatever, and then you, you find locations of interest from them, go to them, do whatever you have to do. And then you'll find another beacon probably two more times, maybe a few more, depending on the dive. And then you do this all again until the dive is over. Then you return to your sub. And on your sub, you may be able to access these in the main menu. But when you're doing all this, as you're scanning various sea life creatures, you will unlock little videos that are a few minutes, two to three minutes long, that will have you seen or getting information about a certain creature, a certain animal, uh, and, and seeing actual video of it, not in-game video of it, but real-life video of these creatures, learning about various sea life experts and stuff like that. So you have these little mini like YouTube clips that are providing you with information about the sea and sea life, which is cool, and I, I think this is definitely a game that could be really nice for kids who are really interested in sea life as, a, as an educational thing but the actual act of playing and exploring these worlds these spaces these dives is a little 
disappointing in the fact that the first area is pretty it's not that it's open it's set it is it's pretty visible and has some variety to it and things you can see but then the following two are just blue foggy voids of nothingness really you'll come across sea creatures but there's it's very much so just a very foggy blue empty space and then the fourth area is just it's still more of that blue fog but now you have a little bit more of the environment and the ground to see that makes it a little bit more interesting to look at but regardless of that how accurate that may be to real life it doesn't make for an interesting game and and a world to move through it's very bland and empty it's relaxing but it's also very empty and when you compare it to something like abzu which was full of creatures and plant life and 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 so much variety and color and space like while this game may be leaning more towards realism and providing you with these educational tidbits and all that jazz the world of abzu was way more interesting to actually be in so this is this is a game beyond blue is something i think would only be for people who want to get that educational side to it the story and the narrative did nothing for me there are bits of it that i'm like why do i even care about this i was talking to my i think sister and she was telling me about how our grandmother has dementia and she's not doing well and i'm like why do we need to know about my grandmother has dementia I just want to look at these sea creatures. Now I know that I have a grandmother and she has dementia. And it's not looking good. Great. Thank you. It makes me so happy to hear about that. I had a grandmother in real life who had Alzheimer's. Guess what? That wasn't a pleasant thing. And then my other grandmother eventually got dementia. That wasn't pleasant either. So why are you putting this in the game? What does this add to the experience? And you have to do all these talks. Because that's the way it works. When you, send, when you get sent back to the, the sub... You can look at a few things, but you have to sit in your chair at the front of your little ship and do all the the calls with the various people, and you'll have choices you can make, which mean nothing because you can just redo the calls and then do the other choices to get the information that you missed out the first time. So it's not like it's remembering things that the narrative is driven in any kind of way. But um, it's all right. But like I said... It is definitely for those who are more interested in the educational aspects of it than the actual playing of it. Because if you haven't played Abzu, or even what is the other one called, the first person one that was in early access forever that I can't remember, Subnautica. I think those two are definitely more better. They're they're better suited for anyone who is looking for something that is engaging and quote unquote fun to play. Because this, this game is just pretty boring. You go around, you scan creatures, you scan shales, you scan whales and sharks and dolphins and nothing wants to kill you or anything like that. And that's it. No biggie. And it's it's third person. I kind of wish it was a first person view, but maybe with how foggy and blue... Some of the environments are seen in first person would just be like you're looking at nothing. Like, what am I looking at? 
It's just a, is there anything in this world? Did it, is it frozen? I don't know because it just keeps staying blue and foggy. That is beyond blue. And then Evans Remains is a little platformer with really nice pixel art. I think it looks really, really good. But you should know, if you're interested, the platforming feels good. And I like the little puzzle platform sections it has. It is very, very story-driven. And the story is all right. I, I, it wasn't doing a whole lot for me. You are this girl who was sent to this uninhabited island to find this guy Evan who was there and he sent on a distress call or whatever I think and you come across another dude who is on the island that you thought was uninhabited and then you see like there's a city in the background and then transitions between different spaces like there's a point where you are transported back to your home and like some funky like there's some funky stuff going on in this world on this island in this space whatever there's also some other guy who I don't think is Evan, who the other guy has at his place because he, he was there and he's going to rob him and take all his food or something or take some of his food. But then it's like, hey, you can just stay. I don't really care. Whatever. But it's it's very story driven. I think in the hour and a half or so I put into the game that over half of it was just spent reading the the dialogue and everything that was happening story-wise as opposed to actually playing the game and i could be wrong there but i definitely felt like i was watching slash reading the game more more so than i was actually playing it which i was not expecting and then that's not a bad thing if the the story does interest you but it, it didn't do a lot for me or it may have just been the fact that i enjoy the platforming and the puzzles and i just wanted to get to that after a point I was getting a little frustrated by that. But the platforming sections from what I've played up until the fifth chapter or so, it involves you have to get over this long, tall column. And initially, you just jump on these ledges and they disappear after you jump on them and jump off of them. And there will be a specific platform that you can hit and it will turn platforms on and off so there are points where one platform will be on and one will be off and you'll have to jump on one to make make it so that both will be on at the same time there are platforms that when you hit them they transport you to another platform there are ones that when you hit them it'll make those platforms or it'll make certain platforms move their positioning from one area to another and I thought the the little, essentially single screen puzzle sections uh, were really well done and I enjoyed doing them. But like I said, so often you're spent, you, you spend your time with the story. And I think there was a section, it may have been an entire chapter where I just kept moving. I was walking to the right and the, the guy, the main guy who you're trying to get inf- information from, I'd reach him, we'd have this little conversation, then he'd run off to the right, I'd run to the right again, and I'd catch up to him, then there'd be another conversation, he'd run to the right some more, I'd do the same, another conversation, I'm just like, can I actually just play this game? Can I just play the puzzles? And you can skip dialogue, you can fast forward through it at least, and 
all that. But even then, it's still, I did that for one bit, and it still took me, I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes to get through the section while fast forwarding the dialogue. I'm just like, come on. I just, I want to play your game. But I, you know, there, a lot of work was put into the, the story as well. Can't ignore that. But it just, I wish it was handled a bit better and, and not, maybe it's a lighter later on and it's very front heavy, but then I think it would be better if it was spaced out a bit better. It just, for me in a lot of these things, especially a game like this, I just like, I, I want a better balance between gameplay and story. And this game was just story, 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 story. I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm good with the story. But then that's pretty much it in terms of what I've been playing outside of the Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. I'm finally playing that for Attack the Backlog. And I just finished the Dark Palace, which means, I don't know, I feel like I'm probably halfway through because I have five or six more of these palaces to go to to rescue the princess in the dark world. And then I guess I'll finish the game. I don't know. It's longer than I expected. And part of me is wishing it wasn't as long. I feel like I'm going to get burnt out before I get to the end. And I will go to depth much more when I do the Attack the Backlog episode. Overall, I'm really liking it. And I think there's some really great design choices for a game from that era. But I think the the problem for me with the game is that at this point, I'm kind of sick of the overworld. I, I like being in the dungeons and doing the puzzles and exploring them and figuring out where I have to go next and how to get there and all of that stuff and, and messing around with the bosses. But when I'm in the overworld moving to from palace to palace i'm just like i'm i'm over this can i just can i just be instantly transported to the next dungeon cuz i don't want to deal with this overworld um so yeah that's kind of where i am i feel like if i were to review it it probably end up being when all is said and done around an 8 out of 10 like i know this is for many people the greatest game of all time and i think it's very well put together and I like a lot of it, but it definitely isn't giving me any kind of like, oh yeah, this is this is definitely going to be on my greatest game of all times list by any means. It, it you know it's not going to be my top twenty-five, which some games that I've played from the past are definitely probably in there. Like Symphony of the Night has a good chance of being in there. Resident Evil one hundred percent. Resident Evil might be Resident Evil Remake specifically. It, that might be my favorite game that I've played from Attack the Backlog to date. I really need to think about it and and all that I've played, but like I was I was blown away by Resident Evil Remake and how the old design and and tank E controls and just that whole setup was so much. Like I love that game. I really love Resident Evil 2 Remake as well, but Resident Evil, in terms of just the, the game design, the level design, all like I just fucking love the hell out of that game. That is it in terms of what I've been playing. And uh, yeah, 
So that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Mark Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, Pixelated Sausage, where you can find more podcasts like this, some videos, and the art I make. And if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash PXS and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely weekend. Bye-bye.